Welcome to Outspoken Voices, a podcast by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer parents, people with LGBTQ parents, future parents, and everyone else who is part of our family journeys. I'm your host, Emily McGranahan, and I am the Director of Family Engagement with Family Equality Council. The first political action I remember was when I was around six. I walked with my moms on the picket line as teachers negotiated for a better contract. And I distinctly remember just loving the energy of the people and walking together and talking and smiling and just demanding action. In reality, I lasted probably about 15 minutes before I bailed for the nearby playground, but I remember being there. My moms didn't take me to too many protests or marches as a kid, at least that that I remember, but we all got much more active as marriage equality was debated in Massachusetts. And I flabbergasted some teachers by voluntarily holding political signs with my mom, Nan, for hours on a freezing cold November day for the 2004 election. And a few years later, I remember like talking my mom, Kathy, into taking me to an anti-war vigil. Together, my moms and I, we really come full circle over the years. Their activism inspired my own, and now some of mine helps to sustain theirs anew. I really find a fantastic energy and affirmation and power in large movements or or protests or rallies. But is taking to the streets really a family activity? Why should our kids join us at everything from pride parades to mass marches? Should they be there at all? Is this, this is something that each family must talk about together, certainly. And with me today are two parents who have made the commitment to including their children in public activism and are even taking steps to make those spaces more kid-focused. With me today are Libby Clark and Gamel DiCavallo. Libby is an artist, designer, and educator living in Maplewood, New Jersey with her wife, daughter, and cat. She is currently establishing Go High Signs, a project born out of her need to protest while staying positive. Libby also teaches at NYU School of Professional Studies and Soma Adult School while also running her own design studio. Gamel is the Director of People and Culture and Chief Diversity Officer for Wayside Youth and Family Support Network. She's a licensed social worker and human resources professional. Gamel was born in Brazil and immigrated to New York with her family when she was five years old. She lives in Massachusetts with her wife and four-year-old son. Since the 2016 election, Gamel has been actively involved in activist organizations and incorporating activism into her work. So welcome to you both. Thank you. I ask this question of everyone. Who is in your family and how was it formed? Well, it's myself and my wife, Leona, and our four-year-old son, Judah. Uh, I met Leona in college. We were in the same scholarship program. Uh, We moved out to California together. I lived there for several years, uh, got married, and then a couple of years decided to um, try to grow our family. And through the help of great uh, health insurance and science, we were able to uh, have Judah. Yes, that is such a key combo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm actually really interested. Gabelle, do you remember the first protest or political action that you took part in, uh, and what was that like? You know, um, before you started speaking, and I was thinking about that question, I thought to myself that really the first, the first protest or political action that I was a part of was the Women's March um, after the election. 
then you mentioned going to Pride Parade, and I forget all the time that Pride every year is about Pride, but it started out uh, as a riot and a protest. And so I've been going to Pride for, for a very long time. That's that's great. Do you remember, do you have memories of the first Pride you might have participated in? Um, first Pride was in New York City. Um, I just remember, you know, being able to look down the long avenue and seeing the streams of people kind of filling. Um, and New York is always full of people, but then to see all of them in the street, um, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. So, um, Libby, would you tell us who is in your family and how it was formed? Uh, I, my family consists of myself and my wife, Jennifer, and our daughter, Madeline. Uh, my wife bore our child. Uh, we have a, we use an anonymous donor and I adopted her. Uh, of course, this all happened after everything became legal. And, uh, and I'm the second, or the, I never liked this term, the second parent adoption, uh, but I know, or the other mother. I always love that one too. Like I am, I am mama. Okay, right. <laughs> but uh, that is our family. We we live in a suburb of uh, of New York City, and yeah, Madeline's uh, sick, almost six now. So loving the suburban two mom life. <laughs> uh, and and do you remember the first protest or political action that you took part in? The very first one that I really truly. I uh, remember being burned in my memory was uh, we took over at some offices uh, when I was in uh, my freshman year of college after somebody had been sexually assaulted on and the administration failed the victim. And so we took uh, it was and it was just mind blowing because I grew up in a family. Uh, we were up until very late. We were a non-union family. We didn't take part in strikes. We avoided the strikes. Like my father worked in a factory and was very reverent of the people who were striking, but we just never did that. So to have my friend, you know, being in pain and not being helped and then taking action to get a concession from the administration to at least be heard uh, was mind blowing. Yeah, and it happened this, the same semester I discovered printmaking. So the two kind of got molecularly fused in my brain. And uh, and I just kept put, like, kind of putting the two together from then on out. Yeah, and so now what sort of protests or marches or rallies have you gone to with your children? Have you, you know, Gamel, you mentioned going to the Women's March in D.C. Uh, were you there with your son? No, um, we, we, we left him with... Uh grandma and grandpa in Brooklyn on our drive down to DC. Uh, and, you know, after seeing how many people and how, how much of a crush it was, it was actually the right decision at that time. We wouldn't have been able to be there as long as we were and participate as much as we did um, if he had been at that particular March, especially since he was much younger then. But since then, he's, he's been to several here in the Boston area. It's always a nice thing to be able to to bring him to him uh, to these events. Yeah, I've I've no, I've run into you only a few times in the Boston area at at a, I think a March for Science yeah. and then the Women's March in twenty seventeen. Yeah, and it's it's great. He's, he seems to be kind of loving it. Uh, so, what it sounds like maybe the size and that that like being in a new place did that have a really big impact in like deciding the Women's March in DC wasn't the right 
spot or place to have a child involved. But then like, what was then the different feeling for those, the Boston area ones that you cited, like this was the right time? So I got to be honest with you. I think we all forget now because there've been so many marches since um, 2016 that when, when the Women's March got organized and pulled together, there was a lot of apprehension in the air at that time. You know, we the last march or public movement that you saw in the news prior to the Women's March were things like Ferguson and you know, and Black Lives Matter and all these kinds of things, which are great and wonderful and very important that they happen. They also had a lot of police involvement and violence break out. Uh, and that kind of a thing from the police. So when we were making plans to go down to the Women's March, we didn't know if it was going to end in some kind of riot. Um, and we didn't know how the police were going to behave with the protesters. And so we chose very specifically to say he, he needed to be in one place where we knew he was going to be okay. And, and we were going to go do this thing. And really what it was is once we went to the Women's March and experienced it and saw hundreds of thousands of people being really close together, we were, we had a lot of body contact happening. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was really keeping each other warm at the, at the end of it when you think about it. But, you know, it was hard to get from one side of the street to the other to the, to go to a porta potty or it was not really a possible thing. And it, but it was completely peaceful, no violence. The police, for lack of a better term, behaved. And so there really wasn't, it really kind of demystified that entire thing for us. And so when um, it came time for follow-up marches to be happening, we couldn't travel to D.C. Um, anymore from Boston. And so we made the decision to make sure that we would, you know, show up and be counted here and understanding the now what it really means to be in one of the, these protests, we felt like it was a safe decision to bring our son. And being close to home, if something went wrong, we could easily kind of just abort, walk away, and, you know what I mean, um, secure ourselves. And uh, side bonus, we could also bring all of our stuff <laughs> and be able to have all of the equipment that you need when you have a child. To when you're going anywhere outside your house. And so, you know, his umbrella stroller has also made many frequent appearances at rallies uh, and uh, snacks and juice boxes and all kinds of things that, you know, extra pairs of pants for him, uh, you know, extra shirts, layers, all the things that you can't just have easily with you when you have to, you know, travel to another state or city uh, far away. And so it just made it much more realistic and feasible to be able to have him participate too. Yeah. And Libby, do you now, have you gone to protests and rallies with your daughter? Absolutely. Um, you know, we for the Women's March in 2016, I went to New York City and my wife took our daughter to the smaller one over in Morristown, which is closer to where we live here in Jersey. And we've kind of kept that protocol where we, we pick one where a lot of our mom friends are going and one of us can go there. I usually go into the fray and we're, we're getting there. Cause we, once again, that apprehension is there, but you know, uh, we've been doing a lot more stuff here in Maplewood because I, I joined a local kind of political group and there's a lot of moms and dads with their children there. So it's becoming like not only a family thing, but a neighborhood and community thing. 
where there were a lot of children coming to the protests and and holding signs and you know um, listening to the speeches with as much patience as can be expected <laughs> and, and you know it's really cool to see because it it's yeah this amazing kind of dialogue and and luckily we're not going to rallies or or anything that are filled with a lot of strife you know not something that's you know running on just well anger um but uh you know so i just i feel really solid in how we're we're introducing her to this and yeah if we try to solidly include her and make it as normal as possible yeah so you know libby your daughter is you said six and gamel your son is four so you know they're still young but before you take them to these big spaces to a protest or to you know a march and do you talk to them about where you're going and kind of explaining what you're what you're doing as a family I would definitely say we we discuss it and we try to break things down in terms we deem appropriate. I mean, you know, Madeline, you know, we, we do a lot of reading and and try to bring up just the, the, the like the edge of the continent of the issue in a friendly way because once again, you know, these are they're, they're babies. And Gabel, have you talked? With, have you talked much with with Judah? Too much about what's what's going on? Well, I mean, obviously more now than earlier on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's the same same thing as with Libby. We try to make it just be part of like what we're doing that day. So you know, we're going to swim class. Then we're going to go grocery shopping. We're going to go get some food, and then we're going to go to the march. You know what I mean? And I feel like that is the perfect gay agenda. <laughs> you, you nailed it. <laughs> That's it. And really, what you know, when we go, we explain to him what that one is about. We just recently went to the Yes on Three rally before the election. And so, Would you just say uh, for anybody who's not from Massachusetts, what that is, sorry. what, the, what that what that pilot initiative is? Oh yeah. So in Massachusetts, um, the Massachusetts state um, government had already passed a um, anti-discrimination, anti-gender based discrimination law, gender identity discrimination law here in Massachusetts, and um, which is amazing, and I love about that about Massachusetts. And then uh, some people decided that they wanted to um, repeal it, and they put a ballot initiative um, to try to repeal that law. So voting yes um, meant that you were going to wanted to keep the anti-discrimination law in place, and voting no meant you wanted to repeal it. Uh, so we had we have a I guess on three sign on on our lawn, and so we went to the march uh, to the rally. Prior to the election, he's sitting on my shoulders, uh, listening to um, the mayor, uh, Marty Walsh, speak, and he notices someone else holding a yes on three sign. And he says, well, I look, yes on three. Dad, you have a yes on three sign. Like he recognized it because he was recognizing his letters. And so, you know, it's very educational in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that I've gone to many a protest uh, now, especially in my adulthood, and some of the signs tend to be quippy, some of the signs tend to be profane, plenty tend to be very loving, you know, but there's certainly a variety. Has your daughter Madeline then been been picking up on any of the uh, more aggressive signs? So far, no, because like I said, we've been kind of confining things to our local protests, which are, of course, a, I, I dare say a little tamer than what would happen in Times Square or, or in the middle of, of Manhattan. But once again, I mean, I've just been discussing my whole go high signs thing 
with her because, um, you know, talking about how people have been speaking very uncivilly to each other and how we can't stay there and we have to be able to talk. We have to be able to hear each other or at least be present while the other person's speaking something that we don't agree with. And um, she seems to be picking that up, but we definitely have talked a little bit about how to deal with anger. And if somebody yells at you from a passing car, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, they're just having a bad day, honey. And hopefully they'll feel better and we're doing okay. But we have not experienced that directly yet. So I have not had my theory tested at all. You might have other experiences you could share. Yeah. I don't remember being like, I think the most clear time that I had a much more confrontational experience at a protest was I was living in DC and I went to, uh, you know, they were hearing arguments for the marriage equality case. And so I like went and, you know, we were, there was a big rally and, and there was the like pro side and then the anti-marriage equality side and the anti-marriage equality side then like did a basically like parade through the center of the street that we were on. So um, the, the pro-marriage equality folks then ended up getting split in half on either sides of the street as this like parade came through. Uh, and it was really something to see. And I had a sign that said like, I love my moms on it. And to be then like face to face with somebody who was, you know, yelling at me was really jarring. And that was definitely a, a time that, you know, I think anybody who was younger, who was present, there weren't too many. It was like a weekday morning. Um, and, you know, certainly people like backed away, you know, as quick as possible. But that said, in the anti-marriage equality side, there were a lot of kids. It was very clear that like groups and youth groups and churches, um, and there were a lot of kids who were then seeing adults yelling, I mean, on both sides, but I would say for the most part, people knew not to try to antagonize um, the folks on the anti-marriage equality side. People were just kind of like, you know, chanting about love and equality and things like that. Um, I just, it was really hard for me to see the children in a space, you know, with their parents yelling, you know, at, at all of these people around holding rainbow flags. That was really jarring to see. Just to speak to that very quickly, I think that kind of um, provides a little bit of the, like the, the extension of the logic where when my child is bringing a sign about something she knows she believes in, I think that would be the time where she's going to be aware of and be able to process the hostilities that await. Like, I think that it's, it, it's just you kind of become aware of it when you're ready because you're engaging more and more in it. But once again, when my child really believes in something, I am going to equip her to hold the sign that she wants us to hold, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna head for the protest. Hopefully, by then she will be, you know, used to the you know the mechanics of being in a group and you know knowing where your your safety spot is if you get separated and all of that. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, do you or have you made like plans as a family then? You know, with in, in case of misplacing one another, you know, or, or if the adults got separated, or, um, you know, I, I've seen 
photos online of parents then writing like their phone numbers on like with Sharpie, like on their kiddos, you know, wrist or things like that, you know. So have you done that if when you've gone to um, anything that may be in a larger crowd? Uh, we always, we always have a safety spot and we agree upon it ahead of time. And also we know we try to stay savvy to where we're placing ourselves in the larger crowd, because if you're towards the edge, you can, you can, you know, you don't want to stay in the center when you have a child, you want to stay to the edge with the, if you have a stroller, you need to be able to get under the barricade and, and to the, to the actual sidewalk if need be, or um, out, out of the thick of the throng. That's what, I mean, the general guidelines, once again, for me is, are, are just how much of the fray are you willing to navigate? And if you're not willing to navigate much, but you still want to be there, head thee to the edges. <laughs> but that's, that's what I was, that's what I would, I would say to that. I mean, our first decision really is about, you know, um, what is the march? What's the likelihood of there being violence? Um, and, um, you know, most of the time our assessment is, even though it might be large, because of how safe we ultimately felt at the Women's March, we generally don't have a big fear of going into a large space. We also stay, you know, closer to the sides so that he can, you know, run in place or uh, be able to easily for us to rush to a bathroom or that kind of a thing. So that, like, like Libby says, it does keep you out of getting caught up in things. And to be honest, the, the number one thing that keeps us uh, together is, has been keeping, it's been the stroller. So if he's buckled into the stroller, he can't go anywhere. <laughs> so you can't lose him. Um, and now that he's a little bit bigger, you know, my, sh- my shoulders get a lot of, a lot of uh, use uh, from him. So, so he's always attached to one of us. He's never kind of roaming on his own, really. Uh, so we always have somebody tethered to him some way or somehow. And, um, we always make sure to park our car because we're driving in from the suburbs into Boston to go to these rallies. So we always try to pick a parking lot that is close enough that we can walk to the march easily, but not so close that we'll get caught up in something. Um, so that if something were to happen, we can always try to find our way back to the car. Yeah. Growing up, did you see adults in your life taking part in in actions like these or, or movements? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, my my uh, my family we're we're from Brazil. Um, my parents grew up in a military dictatorship. Um, going to a protest was not something that you went to do because you know you you could you end up not living anymore. Uh, so when we came to the United States, they were just focused on working and making sure that, the, you know, we got an education. They were very clear about the importance of voting. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in Brazil, voting is actually mandatory and it's in the Constitution. So Brazilian citizens have to vote. Living in the U.S., we're, I'm a dual citizen. They're dual citizens. We still have to vote to keep our Brazilian citizenship. So, voting is a very yeah, voting is a very important important thing in 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 a Brazilian household. And so that was always something that was ingrained in me. So as soon as I could vote in in, in America, you know, I voted in every single election I can. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing, and that must be. 
with this last election in Brazil, this must be additionally tough for you and heartbreaking to, you know, have Nazi both, yeah. um, both countries where you have citizenship, you know, leaning in a particular direction. Yeah. Um, my experience was, you know, we were way out in the rural Virginia's hills. So we were just, the, for whatever reason, uh, my father worked in a paper mill and didn't join the, the union for a very long time. But, uh, but yeah, beyond that, no. I mean, because everybody, you had to go so far into town to vote anyway. I never saw any politics. I mean, like, <laughs> we were lucky we, we could get TV if the leaves were down. We were so far out there. But, uh, yeah, it was so, it was so foreign to me to take part, at, like, physically and, uh, until way late in life, I feel. I feel like college is kind of shockingly late now. Um, I hope that that becomes norm that people are like, my first protest, I was a third grader. It was rough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I hope to bequeath that not only to my child, but to my grandchildren, you know? Yeah. Well, there certainly seems to be, you know, a big change just coming out of the 2016 election. And, and you know, you're right. Um, also in earlier with um, Black Lives Matter protests as well, especially there was there's been, I just have seen people taking to the streets so much more. It's been so exciting for me to also see my parents getting involved in different ways. I mean, my one of my moms, Kathy, is part of the year she's in Massachusetts and part of the year she's in Florida. And she's like finding the like small Florida, like women's marches to go to. And then, of course, I'm extremely jealous because she's in Florida in January sending me photos of her protesting and they're all in t-shirts and shorts and I'm freezing <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> um, but it's just been really exciting because growing up, you know, that was, we talked about politics and my, you know, we would talk about what was happening and had strong opinions at home, but it wasn't as often that we were getting out to, you know, what was happening. Um, you know, we were in the suburbs as well. And, and so getting into Boston wasn't easy uh, necessarily. So we didn't do that as much. Uh, but you see so much more happening in smaller communities. Um, and then I'm seeing, uh, you know, my own family be so much more involved uh, than, we, than we'd have been able to in the past because there's just so much more happening. Um, it's been really exciting to see. One of, one of the things that was really um, fundamental for me about the 2016 election is, is that before that, I, was, I had the same opinions about everything. Uh, you know what I mean? I still had the same worldview, but I was a person that was just to myself. I'm, I'm very much an introvert, um, in, in spite of being on a podcast right now. But, um, and so I was never somebody that would kind of, you know, wear my, my ideas on my sleeve in the same way. And, um, after the election, I said to myself, I'm not going to accommodate other other people anymore. I'm not going to be silent anymore about who I am and what I believe. And so the first thing that we need to do is go out and get a rainbow flag and put it on our house <laughs> to be like, declare, you know what I mean? Declare our allegiance. And so that's something that I kind of, I want to make sure to be able to teach Judah is that he, he needs to be all of who he is and all of who he's going to be. And he needs to be um, 
to say that out loud and to put it out there and to kind of really participate in the world and confront it when it's necessary to make sure that he can be safe and protected and make the choices he needs to make in his life. And so that's, that again is one of the best things about bringing him to all of these things. And, you know, in protests, he's kind of watching all the people and seeing all the signs. And then we go to a pride parade and he's ringing bells and dancing. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's, it's a great thing to see. Um, from my perspective, also, uh, you both have touched on a couple of things that I think are really beautiful that we had forgotten overall. And first of all, is intergenerational uh, political dialogue uh, in real time, face to face. It hasn't happened f- for so many people for way too long, and it's, it's happening now. You know, secondly, uh, just the process of protest, it isn't the end of the conversation. Protest has always been a declarative statement in a further dialogue. And we, I think that we're all getting used to that idea again. I don't know, that, that's a huge source of hope for me right now. It may be the only one, but it's, it's still big, big, you know? Absolutely. You've both sort of touched on being your, your children kind of being a motivation to be out there, to be speaking up and, and showing up in these different ways. Could you just elaborate more on that? How is being a parent uh, directly tied to your activism? For me, it's everything. I, I, you know, I mean, and Grimal, I'm sure you can speak to this as well, but I refuse to leave my child this mess. I refuse. I refuse to not try to clean this up and to, you know, call the other parents and everybody else around me. Because once again, we have to model active, not even, I mean, there's citizenship in a country, but they're just a world citizen. They just a, a, a human being. There's just a certain level of common decency that involves sometimes fighting it out over verbally, of course, and with signs, but, you know, writing the ship. Oh my gosh. It's, it's all about protection for me. It's, I want to make sure he's going to be safe. I want to make sure that he's going to live in a town that he's going to be safe. It, our our family, our kind of family, is in such a precarious place um, in a lot of different ways. We're two mom family. We're interracial. We're interfaith. We're women. <laughs> like you know, uh, like there's there's there, there's a lot of intersections happening here, and so there's a lot of ways in which in which our family can be uh, attacked and. And our rights can be taken away. I, we just had to vote on keeping a gender anti-discrimination law in place. And yes, it's Massachusetts and 70 or some odd percent of the, of the, of the state voted to keep it in place. And I, I appreciate that so much. That still means 30% voted to take it away because it's, it's like Libby said, we have to write this ship and we need to protect as much as possible. All I can say is that is that it's worth it. It's worth it to get your family involved. It's worth it to make your voice heard. Um, and it it helps you to not feel like you're alone. 
Well, thank you both so much for talking with me. This has been really invigorating. I'm like, okay, well, you know, where's my signs? I'm ready to go. What's next? This is this has been wonderful. Thank you both so much. Again, thank you for joining us today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Outspoken Voices. You can find Outspoken Voices on our website, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Family Equality Council at familyequality.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Family Equality and on Twitter at Family underscore Equality. Until next time, remember that love, justice, family, and equality is what brings our families together.